baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Brad Young and Chris Ranji today on the Chris and Amy show. We go to the Quiver River Electric guest line and we are joined now by the vice president of programs with the Alzheimer's Association of Greater St. Louis. Sarah Lovegreen is visiting with us this afternoon on KMOX. Good afternoon, Sarah. Good afternoon. So um, we, we have you on the show for a very important reason. There have been a lot of stories recently about Alzheimer's and dementia and things that might end up leading to a greater risk of Alzheimer's and dementia, namely picking your nose. Can we um, get to the bottom of this? Is that an actual threat? Um, probably not. The largest threat that you would have to um, having Alzheimer's disease. So, um, you know, articles like this always make the headlines because they're fun. Um, but really what this uh, particular article was uh, really trying to make the link between is that, you know, for people who maybe are aggressive nose pickers, um, that could cause, bring in some um, bacteria or other um, material up closer to the brain that could cause brain inflammation. And so we are starting to learn a little bit more about inflammation and its relationship to Alzheimer's disease. But I think um, there's a lot of other reasons not to pick your nose. And if this is the one that will get you to stop, do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, you said aggressive nose picker. Does that mean, like, doing it a lot? Or does it mean really getting up in there? What's the... You know, the, the article that I saw didn't really get into... I mean, I would think that you've got to... If you're going to get things up into your brain, right, I would call that aggressive. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, but like I, that's just my interpretation of it. You know, if you're really talking about bacteria transmitting into the brain. Um, but I think that, you know, it's, again, there's a lot of other reasons not to do that, to uh, spread other infections, especially during cold and flu season. So um, all around, just overall, don't recommend doing that myself as a public health professional. Um, but linking it to Alzheimer's disease, there's still a lot more research that needs to be done. Um, and right now, it's a pretty weak association. And and Sarah, we're hearing, hi, Brad Young here, and we're hearing a, a lot of funny things like the story we just asked you about. Also, there's been reports last week that, that Viagra may be, uh, people who use Viagra uh, can reduce their chances of getting Alzheimer's. And those things make us snicker and get our attention. But the, the real thing here that I want to ask you about is that there is real palpable, objective evidence that uh, that there are treatments on the horizon for this crippling disease that affects millions and millions of Americans. Yes, yes. We have strong science um, in a lot of categories, um, really around the treatment space and also even around um, risk reduction and thinking about the behaviors we can take in risk reduction as well. And so I think that's one thing we're committed to at the Alzheimer's Association is really, you know, taking a hard look at the science. The treatments are phenomenal. Um, and so right now we have Lakembi that's on the market. 
Um, and we expect soon to see um, denanumab. And both of these drugs work the same way by clearing amyloid out of the brain uh, for those who are really in the early stages of the disease. So it's really in order to maximize that treatment and its availability, it's really important for folks to talk to their healthcare providers about any memory and thinking changes they may be experiencing. Yeah, Brad just mentioned the sildenafil, the Viagra, that a recent study, in fact, it was just about, um, I guess, almost two weeks ago that, mm-hmm. that we saw that, that said that is, there's almost an 18% uh, decrease of the possibility of developing Alzheimer's if you are taking Viagra. So how much, I, I mean, what do you know of the study and, and um, you know, how much validity is there to it? Interesting, because actually um, what I learned looking into this article was that Viagra was actually originally designed to treat high blood pressure in angina, which is actually, if we think about connecting the heart and the brain, we often say what's good for the heart is good for the brain. So we know controlling high blood pressure um, helps reduce risk for Alzheimer's disease, um, eating a healthy diet, right, keeping weight in check. All of those things are also good for our heart health. Um, so I think, you know, th- there might be something here, um, I think that could be a little bit interesting. And so this, it was a larger study, looked at a, a large cross-sectional population. Um, and so I think it, it kind of lends an idea into other places within research we may want to go to look at, the, you know, other medications that promote heart health as well as brain health. And Sarah, we're, we're talking uh, with Sarah Lovegreen. She is the vice president of programs for the Alzheimer's Association of Greater St. Louis. And Sarah, you mentioned these other drugs that are, that are demonstrating uh, that they are effective at either reducing the, uh, the, the worsening of Alzheimer's or arresting it where it is when its early detection is, is available. And that raises the question, what are some of the issues that you see that should make either a person or a family member say, we need to get this checked out? Because it's not like uh, if you have a runny nose or something that's outwardly object- uh, objectively visible. Uh, obviously, it's a cognitive issue. So what should people be looking for in terms of cognitive issues that make them say, I need to get this checked out? Yeah, so and then a lot of, and we also know that people want to know the reason for their memory and thinking changes. So really the hardest part sometimes is starting this conversation with someone you care about when you're noticing some changes. And it's really changes in individual memory, thinking, and behavior. So for example, um, you know, someone who is asking you to repeat something you just told them, that short-term memory, right, may be lapsing a little bit. And so they're having trouble retaining newly learned information. Um, we also see quite often, um, you know, again, relying heavily on memory aids, so reminders and post-it notes and things like that. Um, that could be another sign that some of that memory is um, getting tripped up a little bit. Um, you also may see people starting to pull back from their social activities because they're not able to follow a conversation as well, or they're worried that, you know, it will be obvious that they're having some memory changes to the people that are interacting with. So people may isolate a little bit. Um, And then also, I think some other ones, you know, when people stop doing things they would normally do. So if you've got someone who is great at managing their budget and has always kind of been the uh, chief financial officer of their home, you know, and when you start seeing them make mistakes in budgeting and bill paying, that might be something to talk to a healthcare provider about. Or you have someone who's a great cook who's all of a sudden having trouble following a recipe or making their favorite meals, that would be something. So when you start seeing some changes 
in what used to be normal behavior, and now they're having trouble doing those things on a daily basis. We had a conversation with a with a doctor last week about the idea of preventative brain health care, where we know we do a lot of stuff for our heart and for other parts of our body, but we almost don't really know what we can do about our brain because the assumption is, well, just other than reading a lot or, you know, doing, um, you know, brain Sudoku. games, so, you know, stuff like that, that there's not a whole lot you can do. But there's this idea that in the future, maybe even health care uh, insurance will provide for preventative brain health care. So what does that look like or what would that look like? Yeah, so we estimate that about 40% of Alzheimer's risk can be reduced through actually risk reduction activities. And so similar to other disease conditions, you know, eating well, there's been a lot of research on the Mediterranean diet or the U.S. version of that, which is called the DASH diet. Um, and maintaining a healthy weight would fall into that category and getting some regular physical activity. Um, there's a, a certain type of physical activity that's necessarily better than another, um, but what anything that would get people's heart pumping, but really it's the physical activity that you enjoy doing that you will keep doing, right? Um, uh, protecting our heads from traumatic brain injury is risk, uh, reduced risk that we can take. Um, and interestingly, you know, the part about, you mentioned brain games, um, you know, really challenging your mind. So we've got a volunteer who works with us and, and he says, um, doing brain games teaches you how to play brain games. Um, you know, and then they're not terrible, but to really kind of challenge your mind in a new way. And that could be learning um, a new language. That could be learning a new dance step if you like to go dancing, for example. Um, it might be learning a new musical instrument or starting to play a musical instrument, something that really gets your brain, you know, you can almost feel the gears turning a little bit um, and kind of maybe a little level up from your favorite Sudoku or crossword word puzzle. And, and to dive a little bit deeper into that, Sarah, isn't the idea of doing something new, whether it's dancing, learning a new language or whatever, isn't the point is to force the brain to create new neural pathways that create opportunities for more connectivity uh, in the brain, uh, which can help make up for the fact that other uh, neurons in the brain are being impta impacted by the amyloid plaques. Yeah, that's exactly the idea. Uh, another thing, too, to consider is also, you know, staying in that formal education, you know, that, and this is when we start talking about really brain health over the age spectrum, right? So our elementary, middle school, high school, and whatever we do after high school, you know, builds cognitive reserve in our brains through that formal um, education process. So those two are kind of linked together. So to recap um, what you mentioned earlier, we started by talking about uh, picking your nose and whether or not it can lead to dementia. You did say that there, you're not quite sure about that yet, that there isn't hard evidence to really point, uh, point us in that direction. But generally speaking, it is bad practice to pick your nose. You did tell us that. Uh, we have a yeah. texter. We have a texter uh, to uh, 314-436-7900 who says that eating your boogers boosts immunity. Can you put that to bed? All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you know, I have not seen the science on okay. that, so um, I don't know that I could adequately speak to that one. Okay, but it doesn't sound right, right? Not to me, no. Okay, good. All right. This is why this is why we have intelligent people on, so that we can <laughs> so that we can make sure that these weirdo texters we have don't ask questions like that. Um, Sarah Lovegreen, appreciate the time. Thank you for the information today, and we will talk again soon. All right. Thank you for having me. Vice President of Programs, the Alzheimer's Association of Greater St. Louis. It is Sarah Lovegreen. And those are the kind of people who listen to this show, Brad. Yes. Well. The people who say things like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, Don't. I mean, that there's, there's no truth to that. But there is truth that we can make tangible changes now. Yeah. To our diet, to our exercise, to how we stimulate our cognitive thinking that can make an impact on whether we have Alzheimer's or whether it's going to be severe or mild. That's what folks need to know. And I think it's very important because this one, you know, we, we talked about it last week that uh, there are some really awful diseases that people can have. Cancer is, is horrific depending on what kind you have. Um, some people do really well with it. It's for others. It's, it's just awful, but this man, I know I'm, I, I'm right I, there. I, I don't know that there are any worse than somebody who's got a, a severe Alzheimer's or dementia situation. It is so painful. It's so painful for family members, obviously for the person who is going through it themselves, but it just affects everybody. It is such a terrible, terrible disease. It is. And it literally, and what scares me about it, uh, scares isn't the right word, but what concerns me about it is that it literally changes who you are. Uh, you yeah. could have, I, I'm a cancer survivor. Cancer didn't change necessarily who I was. It didn't change how I thought or how I operated. But uh, an injury may not change who you are. But Alzheimer's can literally change your personality and how you think, operate, and relate to others. And I think that's what makes it so scary when you see folks who are completely different because of this. And your health can otherwise be perfectly fine. Yes. Yeah, you, except you, for this, you you can you can jog, uh, you can be a marathon runner uh, and still have Alzheimer's and be in the top shape physically and still cognitively be changing into someone else, and that's what's scary. That's Brad Young in for Amy Marks Cores. I'm Chris Ranji. This is the Chris and Amy Show. All Star Closer Kenley Jansen. We have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.